Ladies and gentlemen, listener of all ages, before we begin this episode, we want you to be aware, though it would not receive an explicit tag, the content you may find will lean a little family unfriendly and contain graphic descriptions of Halloween-related activities. Listener discretion is advised. This is Kate Beckinsale. You're listening to Bacon Sale. It's time to go into murderous details about one of the silver screen's greatest movie slashers. Freddy Krueger. No, 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 the one with the mask. Ghostface. No, no, the one that's like an unstoppable force. Michael Myers. Close, but his movies are bloodier. Leatherface? Ugh, I should have led with hockey mask. Ne- oh. Never mind. Welcome to Bacon Cell. Ah, that's nice. A nice little intro. Welcome to Bacon Cell. I'm Joel. I'm Ken. And I'm Zach. We'd like to thank you for listening to our last show, our More Haunts Around the World So show. good. With Beaker. Sleepover time. A lot of good feedback on this episode. Yeah. Thank you for that. Listener, we appreciate you getting involved. just want to start out by shouting out Tim Hemingway, who on our Facebook page posted a bunch of awesome pictures of like places that he'd been. Yeah. Edinburgh Castle, the catacombs. Like a humble yeah. brag, basically. It was a humble brag and a lot of it. Yeah, well, they're, they're <laughs> it was really awesome. cool pictures. Yeah. Awesome. No, we, we did say if you've been there, let us know. And yeah, it, it's um, always so funny. Uh, Laura Hicks did the same thing. She's like, you should have had me on the show. I went to the Paris catacombs. I'm like, didn't really know. Very sorry. No, you don't know who's going to the Paris Catacombs. Yeah, I should friends? know by now. Shame on you. Yeah, right. There's a, a lot of uh, good feedback about the intro. Amy Judd said the intro was three fire emojis. <gasps> we got three fire yes. emojis. Three fire emojis. That's the best number yeah. of fire emojis. <laughs> Spooky Sammy Skeletons said <laughs> Beaker is a fantastic guest. Both of his episodes have been fantastic and spooky. Tier one guest host for sure. Awesome. Love having him on. Stephen Ross said this episode was tier one. The background mood music was spot on. Good yes, job. good job with that, Ken. Spooky. And Beaker is always an excellent guest. Verbus Vivum said, This episode's intro is so good, it deserved to sit on the bacon council. <laughs> two clap emojis. Ooh, Just also, two? Okay. Yeah. Also, anyone who actually wants to go down into a labyrinth death pit, a.k.a. the catacombs, is straight bonkers. <laughs> straight up bonkers. I agree. Straight bonkers. And uh, Crew Dutler says, Of the list, I think the only place I would actually want to stay the night is Edinburgh Castle. I've already done the day trip. The Argentinian Cemetery and the Catacombs would both be awesome to visit. The prisons would be a no-go. I think totally. Would, yeah, yeah, for sure. Very creepy. Sounds logical. That. But thank you for your feedback. It was really fun. I'm kind of talking about all the different locations and yeah, again, I, just another year of an awesome show. My been. wife, yeah. who's, not, who's not too much in the spooky thing, she actually loved both of these episodes. She's like, because you yeah. explain these places and these are real life places and... I don't know. She may, I might get to talk her into going to one of those places. We'll My see. wife expressed that even though, yeah, this wasn't a show that brought the funny, like a lot of the other episodes, mm-hmm. uh, it was just so interesting. And I agree. I mean, I just got to kind of be, you know, have a front row seat to hearing about these places. And uh, it's awesome. So thank you. Speaking of front row seats, we have a new patron. <laughs> yeah. Hey! Who gets front row seats to Pagan Bits. What? Hey! <laughs> no, we have a new patron. Uh, Steve, this is what the name is. Steve, I helped Kent lose 20 pounds. Oh, Chris Jansen. My word. Wow. <laughs> That's really his claim to fame. That's what he says. Steve's a close friend I've never met. I've met him. I know. Yeah. But yeah, he helped me lose 20 pounds. Good for him. I know. It's weird. Yeah. No, thank you, Steve. Thank you for being a patron of Bacon Cell. You now get access to our random Pagan bits uh, we talk about it's it's kind of a pre-show which is our conversation that happens just before yeah. we record our regular show a little more loose a little more off the cuff <laughs> a little more loose <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of random but yeah we we lately i think the last month have started every Pagan bit yelling about something oh sounds about right what's yep. this we stuff kent and i <laughs> it was kent this week there's a we there it's me every other week <laughs> that's true but that's not what we're talking about today what are we talking about today zach Mer. 
Oh, sorry. Murder. <gasps> Judith. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a Christmas show. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, we, uh, we have a unique uh, take today. Yeah, shall this we say? Is, this is a different Halloween approach than we've taken. Yes. We've talked about movie slashers. We've talked about ghosts and, and all the scary stuff in movies. But we're narrowing it down this week. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're, we're talking about a single franchise. The Friday the 13th franchise. But... We are going to be talking about it in a unique way because we're going to be treating it as if it were a true crime story. I believe it was. Do you believe it was? After the story that everyone's going to hear today, I think it's going to blow some minds. Well, and I think we're going to With a true crime story. I think we're going to get a lot of uh, more female listeners if we do it as true crime. Oh, oh, fantastic. If we say it's Friday the 13th, they're like, I'm not interested. Yeah. It's a true crime story about a murderer up in New Jersey. Oh, really? (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) Did he kill women? I'm in. (laughs) What? <laughs> what? Kid. That's what people say. Not me. Yes, Please so reach we, out directly to Joel Hilton <laughs> with all your complaints. It's me. It's not me. But we are going to be discussing the, the films in that unique way. And yeah. at, as doing so, as with most true crime podcasts, this is probably not one you want to listen to with little kids in the car. Yeah, truly. We're not going to get graphic. We, we try not to here ever on Bacon But, but it is a movie slasher. The point is the slashing. And, and uh, Kent will probably talk about his favorite kills at some point. So I'm going to censor myself a little bit. Really? I'm going to try. Okay. But I mean, let's just, let's just go for it. Shall we? The name Camp Crystal Lake is meant to evoke the feelings of a safe and placid environment hidden deep in Cunningham County in New Jersey. This summer camp has become known for its serene waters and calming surrounding forest. Mm. It was founded in 1937 by the Christie family and for two decades was seen as a destination for young campers whose parents were more than happy to drop them off for a summer of wilderness exploring, rowing, archery, and friendship. Aww. Oh, that sounds nice. I've never been to summer camp. What, really? No. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. It does sound nice, but uh, you'd be wrong, Zach. That it's would, not a nice place. Wouldn't be the first time. Let's start at the very beginning. Oh, good call. A very good place to start. That's what Julie taught me. Da, da, da. This true crime story centers around someone named Jason Voorhees. Now, you may have heard about him on the news reports of Urban Legends, but let's start at Jason's youth. Jason was born in June of 1947 on Friday the 13th. Hey, that's the name of the... True crime, true crime. Spooky. (laughs) Anyways, he was born in the small town of Crystal Lake to Elias and Pamela Voorhees. Not much is known about his father, with him having left the family soon after he found out that his son had... Now, bear with me, guys. Proteus syndrome and hydrocephalus. I I couldn't pronounce the hard words. Yeah, right? (laughs) Which causes enlarged tumors on the face and body. So Jason was raised by a single mother. Both Jason and Pamela were left quite isolated by the difficulties of life, and he was quite the obedient boy. This all brings us to the origin of Camp Crystal Lake. As Kent mentioned, a couple named the Christies opened up a summer camp in 1957, ready to make great memories with campers and counselors. What does... What does the the camp yeah. have to do with Jason? So we'll get there. The owners, ha- mm. oh, the owners of the new camp, Mommy. hired Jason's <laughs> hired Jason's mom Pamela as a cook, and she didn't have anyone to help take care of Jason, so she brought Jason to live at the camp with her, even though he wasn't a camper and old enough mm. to be camper. Now this is where it gets a little sad, so bear with us. But this brings us to the first real tragedy that takes place at Crystal Lake one night in mid July. So remember the date, uh, what we're talking about. Jason was being bullied by some (laughs) campers and they chased him to the dock and threw him in the lake. Normally, the camp counselors are always supposed to be in supervision of the campers. But at this pivotal time, 
let's just say the mm-hmm. two that were meant to be on watch okay. were cool. oh, oh no we can't elsewhere nope. Nope. they were elsewhere nope. elsewhere no let's keep nope. family we're friendly so unfortunately jason being thrown in the water with no one watching he tragically drowned in there right there in crystal lake so the story caught wind throughout the news stations in new jersey at the time and led to the immediate closure of camp crystal lake Jason's mother, Pamela, remember she was the cook at the camp, as expected, could not handle the untimely death of her son, and she spent a reported six months in an institution after the accident. And Jason, please tell me that they found him. Please? Nope. Peace of mind? They never found him. Okay, so you know the foundation of the story. That's what we wanted to set up. And what many people believe to be the inciting incident for this cursed area. And it may it may seem in bad taste, but the Chrissies actually opened the camp for business the very next summer. Okay. Oh, they thought business year, is business. They thought a year was enough to erase the memory of young Jason's drowning, and that everyone was ready to move on and, and keep things going. Did they there. make the kids go and dig holes for treasure? <laughs> no, Shia LaBeouf. Did, they oh, did not. No. Oh, okay. I think I might pass the uh, swimming merit badge in this lake. Yeah, kind of a creepy lake there. Yeah. So we just told you about the accidental yet tragic death. Now let's move on to the first murder. Wait, murder? Yeah, so did I, hold wait, did I get your attention? For, mur- first? First murder? Oh, 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 first murder. The first. Yeah. Mm, okay, now we're getting to the true crime part, right? Uh, so who died this time? So it was a nice summer evening. And, and remember, this is the year after they, the Christie's reopened the camp, right? Okay. And uh, the half dozen camp counselors were winding down for the day, singing songs, kumbaya, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And several witnesses in the group reported that two of the counselors, Barry and Claudette, left the group together. Yada 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 murder. Hold on, did, did you? Did you, you guys don't ex- want me to mention you, stuff? You they ex- were hey, they were elsewhere. You explained <laughs> Zach. They were Kumbaya, elsewhere. <laughs> but you yada yada murder. Hey, we yada yada murder all the time here on Big So we got to keep yes, the family yes. friendly. NPR tone. NPR tone. Yes, yes. True crime. True crime. Anyway, the Spooky. two were found dead the next morning <laughs> as the other uh, camp counselors were prepping for the arrival of their new arrivals. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the camp should be shut down again. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, the Christies were sued by the parents of the two counselors and they never attempted to open the camp again, but the campground became synonymous for these murders and the curse and was then called Camp Blood. The end. No. No, Zach. Like my pitches, this one's just getting started. Oh, great. We'll be, we'll be here all night. <laughs> so let's just jump ahead 21 years to 1979. And we don't even <laughs> care. Joel, 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 Okay, but yeah, I mean, good reference anyways. So, Zach, listener, mm-hmm. like, yes. like any good movie, this camp gets another reboot. The new owner, Stephen Christie, who's the son of Mr. and Mrs. Christie, the original owners, felt like enough time had passed and that any negative correlation of the fatalities past were gone from anyone's consciousness. So an attempt was made to get the camp started up again. He hired a whole new team of teen camp counselors who seemed ready to get the place up and running. Now, Ken, I don't know if you saw this, but the mother of one of the counselors said in an interview uh, when Jack, her son, told me about getting the summer job at Camp Blood. I shared with him the new stories I'd heard as a teen. I asked him to not take the job, but Jack rarely listened. I should have forced him to stay home. Let me stop you there. Let me guess. More murder. murder. We'll get there. So it's the day that the counselors were setting up the camp in anticipation for the campers to arrive the following week. The counselors had mostly all arrived or were taking it easy by reportedly swimming, mm-hmm. killing snakes in the bunks. Yep. Little friendly cultural appropriation. <laughs> and while they had strength in numbers... The fateful date sealed their fate. April, <laughs> April 25th. No, what? <laughs> this is perfect. Oh, Friday the, Friday the 13th. It yes, is the perfect right? date. Friday, Friday, okay. yeah, Friday the 13th. Yeah. It's, just, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. All you need is the light so, murder. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, NPR, yeah. NPR. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's yes. spooky. But that night, on the night of Friday the 13th, a storm hit the camp. A storm of rain and murder. There's the dun, murder. Dun, dun, oh. good se- hey, good segue right thank there. Thank you, thank you. Uh, one male counselor was found in an isolated cabin with his throat. Can I talk about deaths at this point? Can we talk about killers? Just keep it as family-friendly as possible. It's true crime, Joel. We just have to talk about the facts here. All right, so one counselor was found in a cabin with his, with his throat cut. Jeez. One female counselor bludgeoned by an axe in the camp showers. All right. Jack, whose mom Joel quoted, was found with an arrow protruding okay. through his throat. Okay. I think we get the picture. Family friendly. Family friendly. So is it just everyone dead at this point? Not quite. There are still a few more victims. Remember, I said victims. But for the rest of the story, let's focus on the witness report of counselor Alice yes. Hardy. Yes, the counselor Alice. During her interview, she said, it was a nightmare, except I can't get any of it out of my head. It just wouldn't stop. Steve and I found a bloody axe in one of the bunks, and soon after, the power went out. Steve left me. I can't believe he left me. What? Don't separate. This is her talking. And he said he was going to check the generator and that he'd be right back. There was one time that Jake left, and he never came back. He did say he'd come right back. He didn't come back, did he? (laughs) No. So she goes off her on her own. And yes, Joel, I'll summarize this to protect the listener. Thank you. And your ears. Thank you. But, But she soon found the body of Steve, who said he'd be right back. Soon after, she knew that she was in trouble as the body of another counselor came crashing through the window. Oh, yeah, that's the point where she's like, oh, I guess I must be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Alice wanted to say, I ran outside as fast as I could. I saw some car headlights and really hoped it was the camp owner coming back. I needed help and just wanted to get in the car and drive away. But a woman got out. She was older, wearing a sweater, and seemed really nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. She nice. comforted me and said that she'd help me find the guy who was killing all my friends. Hmm. We got into a cabin and locked the door. She then started telling me about a time in 1957 when her son drowned <gasps> because of the negligence of two camp counselors. Uh, wait, Pat, Pamela Voorhees is back after like 20 years? Yeah, almost to the day. Nope. To the day. Nope. Zach, it actually gets worse. She goes on to say, and this is Alice speaking once again, I felt safe with her until she started speaking in a child's voice. <laughs> what? She's really, she's really thick. Oh, I guess I must be in trouble because this body came through the window. <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't trust her because she's listen, speaking in a child's voice. This is voice. all in hindsight, police report, so bear with me. Yeah. But the child's voice, speak, Pamela speaking child's voice. Kill her mommy. Yeah, it said, told her to kill me. This crazy woman started blaming me for her son drowning 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. She chased me for what seemed like forever and found a machete that she kept trying to cut me with. Wow. She? Hold on, back the truck up. Pamela was the one killing everyone? Yeah, it's kind of a mystery before, actually. I thought it was like Jason getting revenge or some like twisted counselor or something like that. Jason's mom killed all those people. Ten people, to be exact. The mom. The mom did. This old lady did. Okay, keep going. Okay, I'll help ease some suspense here. So Alice managed to overpower Mrs. Voorhees and take the machete, and in self-defense... Cut off Mrs. Voorhees' head. Okay, family friendly. There's, there's no need to get specific. <laughs> Why did I get so excited about that? How she died? I don't know. <laughs> so it was, uh, was it Alice. Did yes, she call the, the police? Uh, no, no. Instead of calling the police, she actually got in a canoe and floated out in the lake for some reason. And she, there she drifted and fell asleep. Hey, it's a choice. Uh, did she survive? Sure, but here's the weird part. Because this hasn't been weird so far. The <laughs> totally co- normal. The cops found her the next morning on the lake, and she was indeed passed out. They brought her to the hospital to get some rest. It's there that they informed her that all of her friends had been murdered the night before. The cops later noted that she freaked out, and she started getting belligerent, asking if they had seen the young, mutilated boy that had jumped out of the lake to pull her under. Add some scary music right there. Oh, like okay. a little yeah, I'll do it in post. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty crazy story, guys. What a way for the uh, story to end. Oh, it's only just begun. It's a good We've ending. only just begun. 
Uh, normally, we would break down this true crime story into multiple different episodes for a podcast. But as Bake It Sell, since we you know try to keep everything contained and we're not a true crime podcast, we're going to try we to get... Can we be? I don't know. We're going to try Once to get the year. whole history of Camp Blood in one go. Okay. Uh, so you left with Alice surviving just a terrible camping experience, which is most of mine. Um, <laughs> she, she never, ever has to go back to Crystal Lake. She's good, right? No. Uh, well, I've got some bad news, Zach. Uh, she was found murdered just two months after her run-in with Pamela Voorhees. Mm, she got recast. Oh. <laughs> oh, but how? While also keeping it relatively unbloody. Okay, Thank I'm going to jump in here and keep it non-bloody. All we know is that Alice had been in therapy for her trauma about the incident and couldn't stop thinking about the boy from the lake, that he was still maybe out there waiting for her. Well... Her worst fears came to life as the horrors of Crystal Lake found her. Dun, dun, dun. Police found her in her apartment with an ice pick nope. through her skull. Can't, don't nope. get specific. Just say they found her dead. Uh, there's an ice pick and her skull no, in the same stop. room. Hey, hey. So she went through the worst night of her life and was the only survivor. And then she just like ate it two months later. Uh, she didn't eat it. It is through it's her skull. Stop, no, stop <laughs> it. Sadly, yes. And there's plenty more horror to come. But let's jump ahead five years. Like, a, is, is it a hibernating killer? Like a spooky bear? <laughs> spooky bear. <laughs> spooky bear is my band's name in college. <laughs> what kind of music did you guys play? Uh, we actually played a lot of uh, Alice Cooper covers. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, but, nice. feed, we thought feed, it was a theme Feed there. my Frankenstein on the wind chime. <laughs> So uh, the, sta- <laughs> the state board allowed another camp to be opened across the lake from Camp Crystal Lake or Camp Blood. And uh, one of the counselors, Ted Bowen, who survived the incident, said, uh, quote, One night, Paul, who owned the camp, was telling other counselors the legend of the boy who drowned in the lake, which sent his mother on killing sprees. He told them how Mrs. Voorhees died and that her son Jason was still alive and would kill anyone who would get in his way. And then I was waiting for my cue, and I jumped out of the bushes and scared everyone half to death. So it's kind of a recap of the whole story, but saying Jason's still out there, right? Yes. But so like a self-fulfilling prophecy, that story he told became a reality. The very next day, Deputy Winslow from the local PD called into the station to say that he was pursuing a man wearing a burlap sack on his head into the woods. Keep in mind, the killer was wearing the burlap sack, not the officer who was chasing him. Yes. And I take it that he was never heard from again. He was never heard from again. (laughs) The police found his body shortly after that. Bludgeoned by a hammer. No specifics. (laughs) After a long day of training and camp setup, the would-be counselor started to pair off and be elsewhere. And as we know, (laughs) being elsewhere will get you killed. Uh, Is this where the body count starts piling up? And this is where I come back in. Police reports show that a man was caught in a rope trap with his neck cut. Hmm. Three others were found stabbed. Yeah. Uh, a couple was found impaled by one spear. Just say dead. <laughs> you could just say dead. <laughs> they were all found dead. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, who's the main witness of this story? Who else survived besides the guy who jumped and scared everyone? Well, a counselor named Ginny survived and did some interviews. And much like Alice before her, she was extremely traumatized. Makes sense. So Ginny and the owner of the new camp are coming back from a okay. bar back to camp where they left most of the counselors. But when they got there... The power was out. Dun, dun, dun. They began to investigate the camp and try to get the power back on. While investigating, they were attacked by a person wearing flannel shirt, overalls, and a burlap sack on their head with Uh. one eye hole. The owner of the camp fought him off. Ginny describes how she fled quickly and found safety in a nearby shack. But while trying to hide from this masked person, she found something that she'll never forget. In her words, she said, It was like a shrine. There was a table with candles on it. My friend's dead bodies were placed around the table. Mm. It was horrible. 
there was a sweater on the table right underneath what looked like a dead woman's head. Why? <laughs> Why? Ew. Sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> NPR, NPR. NPR. Sweaters, though, right now. So hot. But uh, what happened? After seeing the shrine, she thought that maybe this masked person really was Jason Voorhees because she caught on to that Uh, fact somehow. (laughs) Maybe he never drowned in the first place. Maybe that boy in the lake was all a dream. Was it Jason? How'd he survive? (laughs) (laughs) And yes, it was Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny goes on to say, and I quote, Jason started to cut down the door to the room I was in. In my panic, I was brought back to my studies of child psychology. That's smart. I was desperate, so I put on the sweater. I started talking to Jason as if I were his mom. What? He calmed down, and that gave Paul enough time to attack him. It's all a blur, really, but I was able to grab Jason's machete and hit him with it. In the neck. Stop. <laughs> did he die? Definitely not. Did, but did, he didn't tell he didn't me he die. died. No. The two thought he died. They thought they were safe. They ran to another cabin. But they let their guard down, and Jason flew through the window and grabbed her. She goes on to say, It all happened so fast. We thought he was dead. We survived. But that thing jumped in and grabbed me. I passed out, I guess. When I woke up, their paramedics were carrying me away. I kept asking where Paul was, but no one would answer me. I still don't know where Paul is, but at least I never have to go back to Crystal Lake again. (laughs) Okay, guys. Before you go any further, we've been talking about Jason Voorhees for like, I don't know. 15 minutes now. Uh, he's a slasher known for a few things. Like we've got the machete, we've got the slow walk, and the mask, but you haven't mentioned the goalie mask No, we mentioned the burlap sack of this. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's the sack. So you're saying I, we need to speed this up a little bit. Yeah, yes, yes. We're yeah. always saying that, Kent. Well, we can tell you, we can tell <laughs> you, uh, Zach and listener, how he got his mask, but you're going to be a little let down. Already ahead of you there. I'm guessing he waits a few years and decides to kill some random townspeople and some more teens. So close. So close, Zach. It wasn't a few years. He waits maybe a day. Oh. Does the date Friday the 13th have any significance anymore? Shh. <laughs> okay, so the original owner... Saturday the 14th. <laughs> so the original owner of the hockey mask was actually one of the teen counselors who was known for being a prankster. Prankster. His, his, his favorite prank was to pretend that he got murdered or that he was a murderer. <laughs> I'm sure he's fun at parties. So this prankster, as we're apparently calling him, was last seen wearing a wetsuit and a hockey mask jumping out of the lake with a trident in his hand. Makes sense. Because, you know, uh, mermen wear hockey masks. <laughs> Perfectly normal thing yes. to do. But he, he scared anyone who walked by. That was kind of a thing he did. And then later, he was found dead, but his hockey mask was missing. Mm-hmm. And then his friends reported there was a prowler walking around the, the camp with the mask on, but they just thought it was this guy being an idiot. So we're going to gloss over the deaths this time around. Thank you. I approve the yada yada. <laughs> but Jason leaned away from the machete this time, apparently. Mm-hmm. According to police reports, he used weapons that were very three-dimensional. That's odd. Like harpoon guns, fire pokers, or just straight-up head squishing? No, stop! No oh, specific. I said I was going to lean away from you the did. deaths. I'm oh, so sorry. Okay. It's head squishing. So the only survivor this time around was a girl named Chris Higgins, and the local police reports show that she must have been quite the fighter. They found the body of Jason in the barn. Hanging in the barn stop. with stab wounds in his leg and an axe wound in the well, just, head. You don't need to give specific. But no, I think the body. I, no, because I'm trying to explain to Zach that someone should die from this, right? These are impacts where he should probably die. <laughs> oh, so they took Chris <laughs> to the hospital, but they said she needed a psychological help because she was claiming that the ghost of Pamela Voorhees tried to pull her okay. into the lake. Jeez, every girl that survives the day from heck just goes Ooh, crazy after. Good, good editing right yeah, there. there. You go. Uh, come on, you start to feel bad for him at some point. So one author called this next set of horrific crimes the final chapter. Oh, does the story? It, local authors that are trying to get famous off of this yes, kind of stuff. Yes, you know what yes, I'm yeah. saying? Does the story end here? No. The <laughs> Spooky. Shh. 
NPI. <laughs> it just feels like a title with gravitas. Like, so just follow us here. So Jason got an axe to his face in the mid 80s. So, of course, he didn't die. Naturally. Nope. He was taken to the hospital. But hospital records show that he was pronounced dead on arrival. See? Uh, however, it was the very same night that the hospital reported murders of the coroner who was examining him and the nurse on staff. And Jason's body Ooh. was missing. Oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, did Jason head back home after this? Did he go to the lake? And how many times can this guy get stabbed in the face? You'd be surprised. Seriously? Now, let's go back to Camp Crystal Lake. Let me guess. New teen victims. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> For 20 points. Although these weren't camp counselors, they're just a random teens looking at a party. They rented a cabin in an area next to a family called the Jarvises. Who lived oh, the, the Jarvises, of course. Yeah. They, they weren't like the counselors. They shouldn't have been in Jason's sights. Right. Because they usually went after counselors, right? Yes. He did, because that's the, the whole revenge thing. But yeah. uh, he seemed to be more aggressive than ever this time. So he's just killing anybody at this point. So let's cut to the chase. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, <laughs> Jason quickly takes up more teens than ever and in more creative ways They're, than ever. We're good. No need to. Like he has, once again, explain. the harpoon gun, right? Yep, Let me no, talk. We can nope. move on nope. now. It's okay. <sighs> okay. 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 So sadly, he kills the mother of the Jarvis family uh-huh. and then goes after her two children, Trish and Tommy. You say two children. It's like one's what? maybe 12. Trish is a, she's an older she's teen. She's like 17. He's yeah. And he's 18. about 11, 12. Yeah. Something like that. He's a Corey she's Feldman she's type. She's Corey. He looks like Corey Feldman type. Yes. Yes. Tommy. So as you might expect, Jason pursues, because he has a type, he pursues the teenage Trish. Jarvis, and she's holding her own against him. I think he kind of has a type and a weakness. He's got a weakness, right? Teenage girls. <laughs> Can't have that weakness for a while. Hey, oh, when, when, he was a teen, nope. when he was a teen. <laughs> nope. Oh. <laughs> well, here's where things get a little weird. NPR. While teenage Trish is fighting Jason downstairs, little Tommy is upstairs, and after apparently having done Joel research on Jason's previous killings, he shaves his head and puts on makeup to resemble a young Jason Voorhees. <laughs> How much time did he have? He had a lot of time, apparently. <laughs> uh, this this 12-year-old prodigy was, was apparently really good at making horrific masks, like Halloween masks. Wow. He was born for this moment. But Jason wasn't ready for it. He surprised him enough that Jason was shocked for a minute. Tommy was able to... When Tommy comes down, he came down and... Yeah, and Jason sees the younger version of himself, and he was so surprised. So Tommy was able to catch Jason in the side of the face with his own machete. Kid's going to have some issues. Oh, for sure. So Jason (laughs) fell on the weapon, and it impaled his face, guys. Now you're just repeating it to annoy me. (laughs) (laughs) How many times do we say impaled his face? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of face things. The record number on Bacon's over impalements. Trish later told police... I can't believe we both survived, but I'm so worried about Tommy. After we were sure that Jason was dead, he picked up the machete and kept stabbing him, saying, die, die, die. No. Uh, no, I, I, he just said die. It wasn't, you know, I don't know who, and this is what Trish says, I don't know who I was more afraid of at that moment, Jason or Tommy. Mm-hmm. Tommy and Trish are both taken to the hospital, but we'll soon see that Tommy never quite recovered after his first kill. So we start the next part of the story with notes taken by Tommy Jarvis's clinical psychologist. He wrote... Thomas has moved through several care programs. Thomas meaning Tommy. Yeah, Thomas. He's a professional yeah, yeah, doctor. Yeah, exactly. So Thomas. Thomas. He must call him Thomas. Thomas. He's moved through several care programs and is currently in his third hospital. He seems right on the cusp of full recovery. But just when we think we've overcome his trauma, he still imagines the reanimated ghoul known as Jason Voorhees waking up from death itself. In order to speed up his recovery, we're sending Thomas to Pinehurst Halfway House to spend time with other troubled youth. Hey, at least it's not Camp Crystal Lake, right? Well, to be honest, Crystal Lake has become more of a state of mind than anything else. Yeah, we're all Camp Crystal Lake at this we, point. The, Camp Crystal Lake is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> so, so tell me. Friends we killed along the way? Camp Blood? 
Tell me, the, these other troubled youth, have they impersonated and killed their tormentor as well? Oh, it's... One girl's sort of a goth. Another is compulsive eater. Another one stutters. Is this a Angelina Jolie movie? It was. It was, it was the eighties. Okay, <laughs> okay. It feels wrong. Feels wrong. Yeah. Uh, but this section of Jason's story is rife with killings, and I'd rather not go into them all. You but want me to? They no. no. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, Joey, the compulsive eater, is uh, annoying a guy named Vic who's chopping wood, and Vic kills Joey. Vic hit Joey multiple times with the axe in broad daylight. I just daylight. said he killed him. Zach. Broad daylight. We don't need to talk about like the daylight. Specifics. Broad daylight. Okay, so you can see after that it's like murder, two thirty p.m. <laughs> after that murder, two paramedics were called to the scene to pick up the teen's body, Joey's body, and one of them, one of the paramedics, was left incredibly shaken by the, this horrific scene of murder in broad daylight. Now, almost immediately after this event, there was a number of mysterious and brutal killings that happened near and around the halfway house. Jason's dead, though, right? Yes. Like, we're actually dead? Well, dead, dead. I mean, that's what they said. Well, dead. I'm going to guess what happens. Okay, Tommy, go ahead. Tommy Jarvis. Shocking twist. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Th- th- sorry. Thomas. You're not the doctor. Thomas Jarvis is the dude. Oh, so you he's think the he's killer. the killer. Yes. That would make sense and be a pretty clever, not clever twist, but uh, it would be, be an obvious twist. Yeah. But uh, he still hasn't recovered from his run with Jason, so he's most likely the prime suspect here. And he always seemed to be suspiciously missing when the kill when the killings took place. So outside of Tommy, there were two other survivors who went toe to toe with a new masked killer. There's a boy named Reggie and a woman named Pam. Hmm. Not we, Pamela, right? Pam, yes, totally different. Now we have a short account from Pam where she says, "Reggie and I were trying to hide from Jason in the barn, but he found us and almost pulled Reggie from the loft. And out of nowhere." Tommy showed up and cut Jason. And lucky for us, Jason fell into a tractor harrow, which killed him instantly. I'm not wow. sure what a tractor harrow is. Well, don't ask. Don't, no, don't want, we don't want yes. specifics. Is it bad? It's got spikies on it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, was it Jason? Was this Pamela Voorhees back? Not Pamela. Pam. So, so here's the thing. Pam? Pam, Pam? So I know Pamela you're kind of wondering. You thought it was Tommy Jarvis. and we, we yeah. Or is it Jason just back because that's happened before? Right. Remember that random paramedic that was rattled by the axe murder that Joel mentioned earlier? Yeah. So he's the killer. <laughs> apparently, I mean, apparently his son serious. was Joey, the compulsive eater who got killed by the, the guy with the axe. So seeing his son dead drove this man insane. And for some reason, it led him to don the mantle of Jason Voorhees. And the mask. Why did he dress like Jason? Was it just a bug Tommy? Did he kill people in the same way? The FBI's official stance is that this guy was a copycat killer. They don't, they don't know his previous knowledge of Jason Voorhees, but he seemed to know a lot about his Jason's look and his strong and silent killing methods. So if Jason's dead, why are we still talking about this? Because this is Bacon Cell. <laughs> <laughs> We're so sorry. And there's still so much to the true crime story of Jason Voorhees and the Camp Crystal Lake legacy. I might regret this. It's going to it's gonna get weird. Go I'm on. warning you now. Mm-hmm. It's going to get weird. So it's, now it's going to get weird. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. totally normal to this point. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Uh, yeah. Even weirder. So it's said that years later, Tommy and his friend decided to make sure that Jason was still dead and buried. So in a very drunken stupor, they visited his grave. And after digging him up and finding his decayed remains, so Jason's dead, right? There's a corpse there. Tommy did something incredibly stupid. Now bear with us for Great the next part. and bearing. And keep in mind, this is from Tommy's official account from local police on this true crime story. He said, quote, I tried to destroy him, but I messed up. We went to make sure he would never come back, and I got so angry that I impaled his corpse with a metal pole. Huh. 
Lightning struck the pole and it brought him back to life. He looked like a zombie and then he killed my friend, end quote. Jason is a zombie now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even though <laughs> 66 people have died at Jason's hand, or Machete, they rebrand Camp Crystal Lake as Camp Forest Green and invite kids back. Oh, like like Facebook to Meta. Yeah, yeah. It's marketing, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. There you go. I'm sure the teen counselors will show up predictably and then uh, be inappropriate. Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Be elsewhere. It'd yeah. Be elsewhere. Yes. And then be murdered. Yes. But here's a major twist this time around. You know how Camp Crystal Lake never seems to have any young kids like around when yeah, the girls happen? They're adults. all getting ready for the kids yeah. to show up. Yeah. Well, it turns out there are actually some little campers this time around. Mm. Little kitty campers. Now, before Camp you worry, campers. Joel, this is kind of for you. Before you worry that the story gets too dark, I can assure you that Jason does not hurt one child. Well, at least there's that. He gets after the counselors, though, right? Oh, well, yeah. He kills counselors <laughs> for sure. Straight up murder. Uh, but <laughs> Tommy and his friend Megan, and this is... Kind of once again, I'm I'm skipping over all the death because I feel like I've kind of Thank overdone you. it. Thank you. Uh, but Tommy and his friend Megan they wrap a chain around a giant stone in Crystal Lake, and then they attach it to Jason's neck, and then they sink Jason to the bottom of the lake because they're thinking uh, he keeps coming back, right? Yeah, he was just brought back to life. Let's sink him for good, like an anchor. And he's gone, and they're safe. But no one believed Tommy's story, and they put Tommy Thomas in a mental in- mental institution. How sad. Yes. He just the Aerodale. This guy like three times. Yes, precisely. So, listener Zach, once again, not going to lie to you. From here on out, again, <laughs> things get a little far fetched. Oh, now bit. they do a little bit. Uh, most documentarians, the, the lightning rod <laughs> zombie, Frank and Jason, <laughs> yeah. totally normal. Yeah. So, a lot of documentarians they doubt the validity of the any of the following stories that happen, but in truth, authorities just believe that people started creating like legends about Jason and what powers are needed to bring him down eventually. Yes. And in order to tell a story, I'm going to go over the account of a teen with the power of telekinesis. So it's X-Men now. <laughs> Listen, guys. NPR X-Men. Th- there's a fine line between true crime and fan fiction. I think we should stop here. But Zach, she fights Jason using only her, no, mind. her mind. My, my brain is melting, to be honest. Her, her mind, like my, Professor X, Zach. My patience is wearing thin. Oh, okay. Can we just skip the story and maybe you give me like a highlight? Okay. There's still like five more sections <laughs> no, to the <this> story. <laughs> I'll be brief. I'll make the brief. In one of the accounts, Jason sees a bunch of teens getting onto a freighter making its way to New York. Uh, hold on. Wait, wait. I'm afraid I can't let you both continue. The listener and I have been quite patient. Jason has survived axes to the face. Yes. yes. Machete slicing his face in half. Faces Check. again. Yes. Family friendly. Broken neck. Yes. Being submerged in the lake for years. Yes. Death. Yeah. But you want me to believe that Crystal Lake is somehow connected to the ocean? <laughs> There's an outlet? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Stop it right now. We're done. <laughs> all, uh, all lakes lead to oceans. Don't you know that? <laughs> so, with science. a giant freighter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay, anyway. So, Zach. Jason goes to New York slash Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> They're close. Yeah. And just like the Muppets, he takes Manhattan. <laughs> so here is out. Zach, you asked for this. Zach, you asked for this. Hear us out. If we stop now, you won't be able to hear about how Jason can apparently teleport now. Or how toxic waste in the sewer turns him into a child again. Or how his soul could possess people if they eat his black no, heart. Or how he no. fights Freddy Krueger. No. Or how he goes <laughs> to space. No. Zach, no. He goes to space. <laughs> okay, space in the future. I'm cutting you off. We've had enough with the pretending with the Friday the 13th series. is a real true crime story. Can we just talk about these ridiculous movies now? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It goes to space. So yes, we basically space Zach. Listen, <laughs> space. We just gave you listener the entire recap of all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. 
staying in the show. <laughs> we have to. Yep. Oh, we have yeah. to give the re- recap. Cap. Recap of the entire franchise of 12 slasher films, which we just uh, did now. And so thank you uh, for, for bearing with us. We did our true crime there. Yeah, we, we want you to understand it because we just said uh, the first movie is about this. They are all so redundant. And oh, that is totally. the formula. And we'll kind of get into the making of these. But we do want to talk about some behind-the-scenes stuff. Yes, because, because uh, this this franchise is, um, I mean, Jason's a monster, but this franchise is a monster with yes. 12 films, a television series that had nothing to do with the movies, by the way, novels, comic books, video game, merchandise. The, the, the Jason Voorhees hockey mask is so iconic. Yeah. It is a symbol of Halloween and horror. Because, yeah. Zach, you have not seen any of these movies. Not a second of any of them except for maybe the one in space. Oh, really? I think I've seen like 20 minutes where he wakes up in space. Yeah, in space. I don't know what but, I was but watching. But if you saw the goalie mask, like yeah. it, that's almost more recognizable than hockey itself. <laughs> yes. Do they yeah. even use those masks anymore? They have a little blood on them too. I think it's in yeah. it's honor of Jason. When I saw them, they were associated with a chainsaw as well. But there seems to be no chainsaw. No, yeah. So he doesn't. No, he's a machete. Yeah, it's mostly machete, machete knife, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Michael Myers used a knife. Uh, oh, Clark Griswold did the hockey mask. Yes, okay. yeah. Yes. yes. Got it. Uh, where are you putting that tree? Don't answer. Yep. Anyway, so let's flash back real quick. Uh, not true crime, but just in the 70s, mm-hmm. Halloween. The movie Halloween 1978 came out. Huge success. Everyone loved it. And they, they decided. Let's copy that. Yep. That is literally where the de- where this movie franchise come from. Is let's be a copycat of Halloween. So this is Pepsi, kind of. Yeah, uh, but they also did not have a movie. The the guy who came up with the concept, uh, Sean Cunningham, I believe his name. Yeah, is. he's the eventual director of the first movie. Yes, he wanted to get the title Friday the Thirteenth, so he published an ad in the paper without a movie, without a cast, without a script. He published the name Friday the 13th and just said, the scariest movie ever is coming. Yeah. Friday the 13th with the logo. He was, and by the way, he, he directed like two like like Bad News Bears ripoffs, but he was actually a stage manager on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And he's like, like, honestly, if you look at the success of Halloween, made for peanuts, and it made right. about $175 million. And yeah. so he's like, I need that kind of money. I need to pay the bills. Yeah. And he wanted to get the title Friday the 13th. Like, because he was worried it was going to get stolen by someone else. So mm-hmm. he threw it out there as an ad to get, you know, to avoid any p- potential lawsuits. He joins a collaborator, a guy named Victor Miller, and he's like, hey, let's just both write this movie. We're going to get a budget regardless. Maybe not huge, but let's make a lot of money. So this writer, uh, they, they wrote this script, script, quote unquote, and it was called Long Night at Camp Blood. And that was probably a good title, but uh, Sean Cunningham was like, no, I want to call it Friday the 13th. It's called Friday the 13th. It's so memorable, I already ran it to be paper. honest. Kind of. I mean, does it have anything to do with the movie? No. Like Bad Luck or anything? That maybe. Uh, but they originally had the idea of Friday the 13th being kind of an anthology series where each movie was going to be a different... Remember how... We Halloween. may talk about this in the future, but... with Halloween. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And it only worked for one movie. Then and they tried to Let's go back to what we know. as well. Yeah. Like the anthology series just never seem to pick up, do they? Right. Yeah. Because as we talked about, I mean, do you want to talk about the twist in the first movie that we already kind of covered? We, we did kind of spoil it. Let's go for it. Yeah. But essentially, this whole movie, it's meant to be a mystery. If you watch this movie, and it's not very well put together. I, I did not think it was that good, to be honest, the first movie. But having rewatched it many times, sadly, for this show, you watch it, the original movie and, and the killer is the camera. It's always perspective killings. And yes. so you don't know who's killing. And in that way, it's trying to be more clever than it deserves. And it, 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 you're like, is it the counselor? Is it Jason? And then the end, when it's Pamela, you go, What? is going on here yeah. so it's, it was a big shock back in the it day it is possibly the best twist in the entire franchise right and the fact that jason is not a killer at all in the first movie 
is kind of bizarre to people. When they watch the yeah. first one, they're like, oh, he's not the character. Well, actually not meant to be a character at all because even the stinger at the end, so yeah. it's when Alice is safe in the boat and then Jason jumps out. That wasn't in the script. No, the original script was just her going out on the boat and that was it. That was it. But then but one, of the, one of the producers was like, hey. They saw, well, they saw Carrie. They said, let's copy uh, Carrie now. We've copied Halloween. Let's copy the Carrie because at the end of Carrie... Uh, one of the characters is mourning over Carrie's grave and then her hand just shoots up out and has the big singer music. And they said, can we do something like that? Yeah. So they tacked on like that. I think they actually finished the movie by that point. Uh-huh. But they went back and reshot this one scene of so they could have Jason jumping out of the water, which is an effective scare. It sure. is. Sure. But I this like is it. horror movie casserole at this point. Yeah, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre that was out, Halloween, Carrie, and they're like, let's use what works and we'll get teens to go see the movie. And I think in so many ways, and like we... We may say that these movies aren't very good, and they're not. I will say that. These movies are not very good. Well, we will say. Oh, I have a quote from Joel Hilton here in an email <laughs> that he sent me. Uh, he sent, so I had them send me their ratings and rankings of this movie. Because we watched all of them in the franchise. And he said at the end of his email, yeah, none of them are that great. How he became a horror icon, I'll never know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> so, know no, they, why this So they talk about it. Roger, as much Roger Ebert talks about it a little bit where this movie is meant to be is like this is, sounds wrong and I know but bloody escapism and so yes. if you look at Halloween it's mostly bloodless terrifying yeah Halloween ha- but yeah. mostly bloodless the original yes and so they were like hey let's let's up the ante on this one and let's just make it a fun movie where you j- literally don't care about the characters or their deaths in fact a lot There's of the no character development here. right a lot of the earlier screenings where people would be there they cheer when people died and if you think about it Cabin in the Woods, if you guys have seen that movie, yes. listener, it plays on a lot of the tropes built in this movie specifically. Yes. Where you're like, oh, I know this character will die next or this character will die next, and I will not be attached whatsoever. Yeah. So in that way, they knew what they were making. It's not like they're like, oh, we accidentally made a bad movie. They're like, we'll make a movie They didn't. That we can duplicate. But they didn't really know what they were making because the <laughs> script sure. wasn't finished when they started. Yeah. The, the production got shut down about half, like early on in when they were making the movie because mm-hmm. they, they ran out of money. Right. Then they got started making it. They're like, what are we going to do here? Uh, I don't know. Run over there and then stand up against that tree and he's going to cut your throat. <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about uh, Monopoly for a while. <laughs> Like they really were they making killed the a movies. real snake in, in they, they filmed killed it? a real snake. Yeah, it was it was bizarre. But what they did have going for them was they had a very talented visual effects oh, person, Tom Savini. Yes, who was able to create these grotesque uh, kills. Yeah, where I mean we're we're already in the family friendly territory. Where people are getting their 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 throats cut. Well, people for example, are axes in their Kevin face. Kevin Bacon has the most iconic kill in the movie. He does. Kevin Bacon. Uh, Kevin Bacon's in this movie. Yeah. Pre-fame. Oh. Or I should say pre-footless, not like fame. Post-Animal House pre-fame. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's pretty horrific. And it, yes. it was pretty monumental at the time. So Tom Savini I'm is probably like... going to pull it up on YouTube. Oh, yeah. it's horrific. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. It, it, we'll just say arrow through the oh. neck. And uh, Bing Crosby's son was cast in this movie. Oh. Arrow, arrow in the eye. Yeah. And actually blinded him for six months. Yeah, they got the fake blood. So they, they, uh, like not said, the arrow. They're, they're, the blood. They're, they're, flying, they're flying by the seat of their pants, but they have these amazing effects guy. And But he wasn't on set that day, and so they're pumping the blood through the like through the pumps in the makeup, that, and he had these arrows in his eye. In his eye. But the blood had this uh, photochemical in mm-hmm. it. And it got into his eye. He was blind for six months in that eye after I'm doing this. I am blinded by a fake <laughs> blood pump. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, anyway, but uh, I, I want to bring it back just a little bit. Sure. Just the character of Jason. Like we're talking a lot about the first movie, and and the fact that I mean, it made it made ten times its budget in the first week, the first weekend. I mean, this is it kind of goes back to that. Uh, horror movie trend we've talked about on the show before, which is like low budget, great return. 
happens yes. all the time in you know various horror movies over decades. Well, ago. yeah, this yeah. thing was made for under five hundred thousand, made around seventy million dollars. That's less than bacon sale, yeah, slightly. <laughs> Yeah, it made I think at a hundred times its budget. Yeah, and, and even the sequels, even though they would only make around maybe thirty million, they're made maybe made for about one million. Yeah, it's low so, budget. They were able to do these things on a shoestring, right? But Jason Voorhees, I want to bring it back. So one of the producers, uh, he combined his kids' names, Josh and Ian, to be Jason, and then Voorhees was a girl he knew in high school. Which how would you like to be More that girl? girl? Be like, eh, that's the serial killer is named after me. Oh. The actors are usually stuntmen because they're mm-hmm. they don't have any lines. He's a right. silent killer, and he ha- he does a lot of stunts. He's lit on yeah, fire. He's thrown stuff. through windows. So it's right. usually stuntmen that do it. I actually found it interesting that it's a new Jason actor in every movie, right? Pretty These much. stuntmen, except for Kane Hodder, who is he went in like three or four. No, of them? he was four. So he was part seven, uh, part eight. Jason goes to heck, and Jason X. <laughs> you can say hell; it's the place. Uh, yeah, okay. But he was in four, and so and he is one of the most like iconic body actors for these. Is yeah. it these one monsters. of those things where people just say like, "I can feel that he's in the suit." Yes, precisely. Yeah. It's yeah. Like they, they, they <sighs> I'm going to ranch just a little bit here. Go but on. They always talk about how you know there's a lot of performing that goes into being Jason, and I'm like, really. Really? Like, oh, yeah, it's all about the body work and all about how you look at things. I mean, it's acting, though, right? Oh, it's like when people were so... It's extra acting. It's like extras in the background, except you're you're a uh, featured extra. You have a little more screen time. Listen, you got to pick up a sleeping bag and throw it up against a tree. I shouldn't shouldn't downplay it because these are stuntmen doing stunts. Right. And there's a lot of things they have to do to make sure no one gets hurt. So I I do respect that. But you're right. It it doesn't require a lot of range is what you're saying. Yes, not a lot of range. Movement, not range. You stand there, maybe cock your head. That's more Michael Myers, but... Yeah. Uh, and then the, the hockey mask. We mm-hmm. talked about in the true crime part of it, we talked about how he got it from the guy who, who pranked people and wore a, a wetsuit. It's much less important okay, go in, on. in how, it, how it came to be. They were doing a lighting check for the third movie. They've done two movies. The first one, The Killer's Pamela Voorhees. The second one, he's wearing a burlap sack over uh, Personally, I like the burlap sack. It's I think creepy. it's super creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. Kind of farmer-esque yeah. to it. But they were doing a lighting check, and no one wanted to put makeup on for this lighting check, so they just decided to throw a mask on the guy who was doing the lighting check. So they had to make sure the lights Wait, were all right. that was the mask they chose? One of the guys, one of the uh, 3D effects supervisor, a guy named Martin J. Sad- Sadoff, Sadoff, I don't know how to say his name, S-A-D-O-F-F, mm-hmm. he was a hockey fan, so he just had a bag of hockey gear with him there. So he pulled out a Detroit Red Wings goaltender mask and said, let's just do this for the test. And then they saw that and went, you know what? I actually like that. Looks cool. So they decided to modify it a bit. They put like the red triangle on it, enlarged it a bit. But that's how the mask came to be. Isn't that funny? Like think about like Halloween parades in school. And I mean, I know this because I loved Freddy Krueger growing up. I don't know why. And so I would either make my own glove or whatever. I made my own glove too. Exactly. But tape steak knives. Yeah, exactly. I had popsicle sticks that I sharpened on the curb. Oh. Yeah. And then duct tape around the glove. But like you'd see like our ages like like let's say eight years old nine years old mm-hmm. in a school parade and we both remember hockey masks yeah freddy krueger yeah like how do kids know about that or how did they know about the stuff because you see we'll get everywhere. into this but these movies aren't really aren't really around anymore other than the iconography yeah but you see you see the hockey mask everywhere in merchandising in right. particular you see that everywhere mm-hmm. uh, i do want to take a moment and give some um credit to henry Manf- manfredini yeah the composer uh, he's the composer and I'll, first of all, I'll just say that I don't like the musical score of Friday the 13th. It's like strings like... It's, it's intense. It is, but it's... I don't know. It's kind of grating to me, but... What, a little manipulative what I want to well, give him sure. What I want to give him credit for is the... 
So, okay, say that slower because. So I always thought it was. That's what I thought. And then a lot of people would go. Kill, kill, kill. Kill, kill, kill. Yes. So they. He, he wanted Zach, to have heard this, right? Of course. Like yeah. you're, you're in the woods walking behind someone. He was. Yeah. Uh, so you say that. Henry totally. Manfredini. Yeah, right? Not just me. It's just pop culture. The right. composer w- was, was inspired by Jaws. That even when you didn't see the shark, you heard the music cues. You knew the shark was there. And so he decided he was going to only play this certain type of music and this musical, this sound cue, this whenever it was actually Jason. So for but, the first... But why is it, why is it ma, ma, ma? Because uh, it comes from the line that Pamela Voorhees says when she's talking as if she were Jason in the child's voice. And he says, kill her mommy. But since Jason can't vocalize, he's, yeah. he's slower uh, mentally. It was ki, ki, ki for kill and ma, ma, ma for mommy. So that was what it was. And so he just got into, a, he got into a microphone, said that noise himself, put some reverb on it, and it became the sound of horror. Like mm-hmm. you hear that. It, we had our Halloween playlist a while back in the song Halloween by uh, Aqua. Yeah. At the very beginning, it's just like they have that. <laughs> so it's become iconic, almost as iconic as the mask, I think. I know if I heard that in the forest, I was walking yeah, around. Yeah, no, thanks. I'd just like if panic. you were in the ocean, you heard. Dun-dun. No, no, no. It strikes fear immediately. Terrifying. And so uh, critics at the time, like, they were not kind, rightfully so, to these movies. No. And it's funny, though, because they were also split on the meaning, though, because they called the series irresponsible because they felt like it numbed audiences to violence. Boy, howdy. But then they also said that the movies are puritanical for having the morality tell that it did. Because everyone who goes elsewhere, as we said a couple of times, almost everyone who goes elsewhere at camp, all the teens who pair off and go find a place to be alone. They get killed yeah. in various ways. So it's interesting because you're like, oh, I guess they just shouldn't break rules. Once again, a trope that's been used in horror ever since. I think the impact is huge to the point where you and I, mm-hmm. Joel, have watched the entire franchise. Uh, you watched it two years ago. Uh, I, fo- I followed your lead enough. watched it last year. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, well, we've done the work. So maybe we should do a show on this, yes. right? Yes, I did not want to watch and, many and, of them again. And we... We knew all about Night- or Nightmare on Elm Street. We knew about the Halloween franchise. You know, there are so many franchises out there. And we're like, okay, well, one of the big guns is Friday the 13th. It is one of the most successful media franchises in America. Not only for the success of the films, right. but the merchandising. Like I said, it's everywhere. And this wasn't, this wasn't like, these aren't great movies. I don't like these movies. There's only like a couple that I like, like maybe two yeah. that I like. Sure. Everything else, I'm kind of like, bah. But there definitely is an audience for this, obviously, who likes to see the, the blood and the gore and that and all mm-hmm. that. Because that's what that's, this became is not as bad as Saw in the sense of... It's spooky season. Let's go see a movie that has this. Yeah. But right? these films have grossed over $468 million at the box ups. They were, it was, the highest grossing film franchise, horror franchise, until Halloween just barely... And keep in mind, this is like 80s money. This yeah. isn't like now where a movie makes $500 million. Yes. This is like if a movie made $50 million back in the day, it was a huge success. Yeah. And so you have Halloween is the top horror franchise. Friday the 13th is second. Then you got Nightmare on Elm Street and then Saw, then Scream, then Psycho, then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Child's Play at the, uh, running up that top Psycho. Ha- oh, because it does have sequels. It so does I was like, have sequels. But there's one movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh. all you need is that it, one movie. Isn't it funny how sequels, for the most part... Mm, we should talk about this another time. Sequels really, I don't know if they tarnish the original, but they become largely unnecessary. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, they, yeah. do, they do add to the box office count. Totally. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not a great, 
it's not a great franchise. It's full of one-dimensional characters slowly getting killed off one by one as they peer off, peel yeah. off into pairs or by themselves. That's the basis for almost every single movie. Like when I the first three movies, I'm pretty sure as I watched them, I kind of went. Each time these characters get more and more flat. Like there's yeah. no dimension to them at all. It's just like fodder. They even have in the in the fourth movie, fourth movie, Crispin Glover and Corey Feldman as kind of the stars of that movie. Yeah. Still not interesting. No, not still at all. No, still no They dance weird or they act a little strange. <laughs> yeah, that's do. about it. So that's my feelings towards the franchise. Sure. I know there are people out there that like it, that that enjoy it. It's just not my well, no, thing. No, this is like a Funko Fun Pop that you have, right? Or a Funko Pop that you're just like, oh, it's Jason. I got to have him in my collection. Yeah, I'm literally wearing a shirt right now with the yeah. hockey mask, on, which Bob Bedore gave me. It says, I don't I don't always, but when I do, I, oh, perfect. So. Right. Yeah. I, but I, I do. I, the hockey mask, I think, is iconic. Mm-hmm. There is something about it that I enjoy of that icon- iconography of Jason. But when I finally watched all the movies, I was like, this is. Yeah, terrible. no, I. So I watched a few of these as a kid and I don't really want to get into specifics, but I did memorize movie seven, The New Blood. And so stupid. I watched this movie again. I'm like this movie. It's the the X-Men one. And I was like, why do I Carrie know this movie Jason? so well? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so bad, but I watch it way too much. And then I'm like, well, these movies are not good. And I remember, Joel, you talked about Jason Takes Manhattan uh, specifically. How <laughs> much you hated it. And I was like, it can't be that bad because it's... So bad. But it's the, the slasher genre, right? Your standard should be so low. And then I watch it. I was like, okay, he's right. He's right. And I hate to say it, but it does still remain in this low bar yes. of Friday the 13th. So bad. I, I do want to get some fun facts, though. Well, please do. I, I, I want to yeah. bring out something real quick, though, is that uh, so at the beginning, they were making like one of these a year. Like it started, yes. this started in 1980 is the first movie. Next movie came out in 81, then 82. Then they you know waited a bit and waited until 84, then 85, then 86. Wow. Then 88, <laughs> then 89. But then <laughs> so they, quality right there. But then there became some legal issues. Yes. That they were having where they couldn't even use the title Friday the 13th. Yeah. Like studio, like multiple studios, like own the project, right? Yeah. Like some, some people own, the, they own the characters versus mm-hmm. the title. There was a whole, there was a split because, you know, movie companies, production companies come and go. Right. So then they started calling it like Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. Right. Jason X and Freddy versus Jason. Like they couldn't use the title anymore. But then finally, Paramount, uh, Paramount and New Line Cinema got together to make a reboot in 2009 uh, of Friday the 13th, hmm. was starring Jared Padalecki. Oh, yeah. And it Sam was... Sam from Supernatural. It was supposed to be like the rebirth of Jason. Why and, was I thinking the guy from The Big Bang Theory? Wait. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Sheldon? No. Oh, Leonard. Oh, Leonard. You're thinking of Christmas Vacation again. I, I usually do. Yeah. What is his name? Johnny Galecki. That's Johnny it. Galecki. So, see, yeah. see what I mean? But Jared Padalecki from, uh, I was going to say, from uh, Gilmore Girls. Uh, <laughs> it's supernatural. Natural yeah. Gilmore Girls. But this was supposed to be, in 2009, it was supposed to be this rebirth of Jason. But the problem is, I, this legal issue's gotten in the way, writing got in the way, well, and they haven't made a movie since. You mentioned, yeah, because they were like, hey, let's make another movie of, of the year, right? Because this was the time where Paranormal Activity had a movie a year. Yes. Uh, Saw had a movie a year. Yes. These were never very good. No. And so they're like, let's do the same thing again with Friday the 13th. But uh, a big problem was, other than the studios, Sean Cunningham, who came up with the idea, Mm -hmm. basically, well, what idea, but still, he directed the first movie. And then the original writer that he partnered with, they split after the first movie. And so Victor Miller owned the whole concept of Pamela Voorhees. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey... You can only make, and this is in court, you can only make another sequel if I give you permission, but they're not friends. No. And so basically it was just like this this tug of war. 
and neither one can make. It'd be like if if uh, if if Zach and Kent and I broke up mm-hmm. as podcasters, likely, and like <laughs> I, I, take it easy. I own the name Bacon Cell, but Kent owned Tearing, and Zach owned categories. categories. Yeah. So, so it would never be the full picture. No. And they kept trying to kind of make it happen. They keep teasing, I think, every year. Yeah. Which I don't know if this idea is relevant anymore. Maybe, like, you see Halloween, the, the reboot that that had, and there, people go to see it. They do. But then it's also a tired... It, it, the slasher genre, without the cleverness, belongs in the 80s. Well, and let me ask this. Is there a sure. Laurie Strode-type character in this franchise? They, no. They, is there a primary human... Tommy Jarvis would be the most central okay. character. Yeah, Alice almost made it two movies. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. The woman who played Alice, she didn't want to be typecast because they wanted her to be like to go through all the movies. Yeah, they wanted to copy. And she was like, look, I mean, I'm better than this. She showed up for the first five minutes and got killed in the second movie. Mm-hmm. And she still regrets it. She's like, it was fun. Why didn't I do it? Which yeah. I get. But here's, here's also my... work and money. Yeah, right. Here's me being uh, like kind of two-faced here is that I, these movies aren't good. And mm-hmm. I can't believe there's 12 of them. But they deserve a 13th. It's Friday the 13th for crying out loud. Oh, they there's only 12. A 13th movie. There's only 12 movies. Oh. Guys, we should make this movie. Let's get financed. Uh, <laughs> we can make a better movie than these ones. I don't know. Although my friends and I used to do, we used to do all sorts of kind of gore effects yeah. in our movies. Yeah. Because, you know, you have that small budget. You learn how to make fake blood and all of a sudden you're like, you know, Picasso of horror. <laughs> but I think it deserves a final movie to wrap things up. But the problem is the reboot didn't really go anywhere. I mean, Jared Padalecki's probably really busy right now. Sure. And so, but they're not going to be able to do Shooting that Big Bang Theory. <laughs> so, they'll ha- so they'll have to do a Halloween style thing where it's just a completely different story, which then feels stupid because why start a new story at this point? Yeah. Right. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I do think it deserves a 13th just to wrap it up. I think mm. you're right. Let's make this happen. Mm. So really quick, I just a couple fun facts, but so Camp Crystal Lake wasn't a set. It was actually a working camp. You know the name of it? Yes, it was... Camp, I really want Zach to go this, but it's Camp Nobi Bosco. Nobi Bosco. N-O-B-E-B-O-S-C-O. Nobi Bosco. And this is a fully operational camp. Uh, Cast and crew were granted access after campers left for the summer in 79, and it's still in use today. I would love to go there. They did build some sets. I would. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Uh, But they they built sets there, and they actually built like a a bathroom for a scene there. Did not have working toilets. When production shut down, they left for a while. They came back once they got funding again, and someone had used the non-functional toilets. Oh, come on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so, and also Pamela Voorhees, she was actually well-established, like a really well-liked actress. They yeah, tried Betsy to get, Palmer. Yeah, Betsy Palmer. And so when she read the script, because she was a good actress, she was like, this is garbage. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be in this movie, but then but, they're like, but she wanted a new car. Yeah, her car broke down. <laughs> Literally for the paycheck. And, and sadly... But maybe in a way that it does inspire a continued legacy, her most recognizable role. I don't remember her from anything else. Right. Okay. And last thing, I know I've kind of harped on this the entire time, but I want to give a little death count. Okay. Death count? A death count. Okay. Pamela killed nine people, actually. Okay. Roy Burns, who is the copycat killer in, the fake in A New Beginning. Yeah. The, the, he the, killed, the rattled paramedic. Yeah. So this is, he killed 17 because they had to amp up the deaths every single movie. Right. Let's go bigger. 17. Jason himself, and this is more or less because he actually sunk a boat, so probably a lot more, mm-hmm. but 172 people. Wow. In the other Do you know how that movies. compares to the other slashers by chance? Oh, I would say, f- yeah, no, I would say he's Michael the most. Michael Myers has more. Freddy Krueger probably has five kills. or six a movie. Yeah. 
So it looks like just looking here, my very first the search, the first search result. Okay. For slasher kill count. Oh, great! Led me to the wow. There's uh, a me, site for everything. There is. Uh, Pinhead apparently has the most with 246, oh, well. more than 246. Okay. But then you get Michael Myers. Let's count oh, him. Oh, really? Okay. Michael Myers with 170, and Jason Voorhees is next with 157, 270. It's kind of a little okay. There. He sunk a boat. He did. So he's up <laughs> On its way to New York. But not as much as Michael Myers. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so those are my fun Maybe. facts. We talked about the future of the franchise. We, we briefly talked about, well, I would say more than the first half of the movies in the true crime segment. Yeah. But we do need to kind of go over all the bad. Yeah. Yeah, we need to kind of uh, rank these, shall we? But we did it in a little bit of a different way this time. Sort of. Does it make sense? I didn't I want to tier it nope, because really. there's no way I want to give any of these movies a tier one. Joel, I kind of tiered it. You did. Yeah. You gave some of these movies a B, Kent. No, here's the thing. <laughs> a okay, B. Hold on, hold on. Here's the thing. I knew that you were going to be like, nothing That's gets... That's your same rating no. as Batman v Superman. <laughs> you stop it right now. I knew that you were going to be like, nothing gets above a... Well, we went out of 10, right? So for we you, it would be, nothing gets above a 2.5. No, no, probably a 2 for you. No, right? out of 10? No, my rating's out of 5, so it bumps it up. So it's like 6 is the highest score. So I did you give a 6? There, there were two 6s Because I thought you would just absolutely hate on everything. So I'm like, I'm going to go with Curve. We're going to give these... Gonna give Jason. these Jason's <laughs> a curve grade. Don't grade on a curve for Friday the 13th. I did. No. And so based on that, and granted, it's just the two of us. Uh, Zach, it probably would be totally changed. Us. Zach, if you want to watch all 12 movies real quick... Don't. And grade, grade them. I'll be right back. Two hours later. I couldn't get to the first one. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Sure. All right. So I had you both give me a score and uh, an overall ranking mm -hmm. yes. to not have it all tied. Because I won't lie, you guys gave a lot of the movies the same score. Um, so between the two of you... Because we don't know. I don't, I don't. I can't rate it. He doesn't know what I rated. I devised a, a little system. So I'm going to go worst An to first. Algorithm? So it's like yes. Bacon Science bacon Friday science the 13th. Here. Jason and the Algorithm? <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, the worst movie we'll start with. The worst movie, according to you guys. Joel, you ranked this 11th. Kent, you ranked this 12th on your list. Joel gave this a score of a 3. Kent gave it the score of a 1. This is Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. This is part 9. Uh, well, I was going to say, this is the one. This is the ninth movie in the franchise, and this is the one where apparently Jason is no longer a person. It's an entity, yes. that oh, like a worm that lives inside Jason, and then it could be passed from one person to the other. So a guy eats his heart and yeah. becomes Jason. Just a regular guy. It's black heart, but then it's like a worm that passes from person to person. Yeah. This is the lowest rated on IMDb of any of the movies. And by the way, when we talk about these lowest ones, they're all about the same quality. Yeah. So this is, uh, this this is, this last is a cut by, under. Is a cut it? Below the because rest. this is not your last place one. It wasn't, but it's it's close to. Yeah, it's it was really my bad. Last. It's really bad. Oh, it's so bad. And I think the reason I, I'm so annoyed by it is it completely changed the rules. Yes. Like nine movies in, you can't suddenly say, never mind everything that came before. We're making it all up now. It's, well, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. When he goes to Manhattan, he nope. and it ends. Oh, you mean Yeah, the basically like movie, yeah. the death structure of these movies, it always tries to explain away the death to bring him back for a new movie. Yeah. Right. In this one, he is infected with toxic waste from the sewer and he becomes a, a child. And then you're like, mm -hmm. what? And at the, he end of, dies. at the end of eight. At the end of eight. And then at nine, he's just Jason again. Mm. And so it's just they kind of don't, like, we don't care anymore. But, but they don't really care because like in the first movie, it's a little boy that comes out of the water. In number two, he's a full grown man. Yeah. In number three, he's completely different. Like they, sure. they change the way he looks every single, every single <laughs> Logic. movie. 
So that was that was our okay. lowest rated one overall. Second from the bottom, Zach. The next movie up, the so I guess the eleventh place is the tenth movie, Jason X. <laughs> How Joel gave you this a seven? <laughs> hold on, hold on. A seven? Oh, you, oh, you got your seventh place. No, oh, sorry. I no, I didn't give a seven. This Joel, is a four. This is Joel's seventh ranked movie. Okay. This is Kent's eleventh ranked movie. This is how is Joel gave it a four. Not lower. I, I, Kent no, gave it a one. I agree with you there, but this is a sci-fi original movie that has very little to do with the franchise. Yeah. This, but they, it's almost like they know it's a joke, though. And it is. This is Jason in space in the future. It's so gluttonous in everything he does. He becomes a super soldier of sorts. Like even his mask becomes like the cybernetic mask. Yeah, it becomes like a metal Jason. Yeah. Metal and I, I could flesh. not deal with this one at all. Yeah. But once again, I think it pretty much gets the same score as the other one. Yeah, you give it a one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about the eighth one? J- Friday the 13th, part eight. Jason that, takes Manhattan. That one deserves to be the very the bottom. Worst, what because you say. It is the lowest grossing of any Friday the 13th movie. And it has the longest runtime. Does it? It's a hundred minutes long. Everything else is like ninety minutes, like hour and a half. This <laughs> ninety is like, minutes is perfect for these this, movies. This, but this is like honestly, I think this is no. ninety minutes this on one? the ship, and then ten minutes. It, no, it's in a Manhattan. straight up a lie. Not only is it not Manhattan, it's Vancouver, as yes. discussed. But it's Jason takes Manhattan. But like you said, it's on a boat because they just didn't have the budget to go to New York. Yes. They, they kept cutting back and cutting back and cutting back. And it, it really is. It's trying to be like really like aggressive. It's like street gangs in New York and how's this mass killer going to They literally t- get off the ship and get like mugged as they're walking off. Yeah. And it's like, welcome to New York. There's nothing likable about this. The logic in this movie is the worst of the franchise. And this is the one where he learns how to teleport because like <laughs> he's literally running behind someone and the guy's looking back at him. And then he turns forward and he's ahead of him. And yeah. it's like, what? Or he's in what? a building window or yeah, something like that. He pops up in the building there. And there's also, this is also the one where, uh, and now I watch these on YouTube TV. I watched them sure. edited. Yeah. But there's a part where he's on the boat and he, he cuts this guy's neck, mm-hmm. but they do it in like slow motion. And you see the blade never even touches no. the guy. Right. And then the wound opens. And it's like, <laughs> what? This it's so terrible. Jason. I get you putting it last. Bottom three feels like all last for me. This <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan is terrible. Don't watch it. I apologize. Bacon science. I no, failed. no, it's it's right. No, uh, the this was actually Jason takes Manhattan was actually the eleventh place finisher. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Makes more sense. I did mix them up. I that apologize. makes more sense. Jason yes. X is MVP. Jason X is tenth place. I feel better about that. Thank okay. You. So, so, so twelve. So twelve was Jason goes to hell, and then the next one up eleven. Was Manhattan. Manhattan. I got them mixed up. Okay. Uh, Jason and then ten is ten. Eleventh. Okay. So should feel better. Ten is ten. I do. I feel much better. Thank you. Ten is ten. Okay. You're a little upset. I was. I reran the baking calculator, and I can tell we you. We have a calculator? For sure. Well, I it's made it budget. up today. Uh, all right. There's way too many numbers going on. But the next movie up, uh, ninth place finisher. Uh, did we get medals yet? No, not yet. Oh, uh, yeah. Is Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. <laughs> this is the fifth film. So New Beginning is the fake Jason, right? The, yeah, we talked about the paramedic copycat killer. Yeah. This is where the series really wanted to deviate. And I think go a little more anthology style. And they're like, hey, Jason can actually die. Jason's the friends we made along the way. It, yeah, isn't it funny, though? Because the creators of part four, the way they ended it with Corey Feldman as young Tommy Jarvis, yes. they knew that he was going to have a trilogy of his own. And so what they wanted to do was make him the killer. So, Zach, you were actually, you know, when we talked about the true crime, that was the goal. Yeah. And they said, oh, 
but maybe we want him to be like the final person. We no audiences wouldn't like us if we did that. So they just went for some random guy. <sighs> so dumb. Yeah. yeah. And this was and they really did try to kill Jason off in yeah. the final chapter. So so basically then this came along and still had him dead, but then people went, No, we so, don't like that. And and here's the thing. The difference is, yeah, it's a still a guy in a hockey mask. I feel like this one isn't scary at all because it's not the presence of Jason Voorhees in the movie. I don't know what it is. Because it's the same maybe format, if you're scared same of paramedics. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it's not great. It's it, not it, good. They're not good. All right, our next film, the eighth place finisher. We have Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. Yeah, yeah 3D. Part 3D. Part 3D. I Jaws love how everyone 3D. tries to do that. It's it, this. The only redeeming quality about this movie is you see Jason get his mask. Yes, that is it. They, they have these gimmicky camera shots where like, like a yo-yo. Stabbing. Yeah. In yeah, the face. Literally, there's a yo-yo in the face. And it's not even death. It's like, we're going to drop a yo-yo. And it's totally 1980s. We're going to capitalize on this. Most people are watching this on home video. They don't yeah. care. No, maybe if it, maybe if it were in 3D in the theaters, it would have been cool. But sure. in 2D, it's just distracting. Yeah. And, and any of like the, the death, like the, the practical effects were not good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. No. And then this is another one where they just changed the look of Jason completely. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. It's just bizarre. This is not. It's a the same one. exact format as one and two, but done in a more campy style, which and doesn't work. If we're going to distinguish the story of this one, it'd be hard to distinguish the story because it's exactly the same story as one, two, and three. Yes. When you sent me your ranked lists, you both placed this at sixth on no. your list. There we go. But it's uh, number seven. You agreed. It ended up as our number seven. Okay. Because of how Bacon calculator math works. It's complicated. All right. We have our number seven movie. This is Freddy versus Jason. <sighs> Now this Why one, wasn't this the best one, though? It should have been the best one, because this was like the matchup of all matchups yeah. back in the day, back in 2003. <laughs> but planned for like 13 years before. This has got the biggest budget of any of them. For sure. $30 million. And it's the highest grossing of any Friday the 13th movie. Granted, this is a mashup of two franchises together, sure. but $116 million. They make Jason into the, 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 the hero, the anti-hero yeah. of the story, because you know they, they have to take down Freddy Krueger in this one. Uh, it's well, very typical. And they were working on the script for 15 years. It was on and off of, oh, yeah, we'll wow. work together. We won't work together. Okay. $6 million uh, spent on 18 unused scripts. If this movie succeeded the way they wanted to, I know it made a little bit of money, but I bet we would have seen a lot more mashups of these 80s slashers. Yes. And the whole I point mean, of this one. We did get Alien versus Predator. The whole, yeah, oh. we did. The whole point oh. of this one was uh, <laughs> Freddy, people weren't scared of Freddy. Mm-hmm. So he decided to bring fear back by bringing Jason back. Yeah. Marketing. Doesn't make sense. Of okay, I'm getting people that and scared, then they scared of me again. Yeah. So I'm gonna bring this whole other person. And then Dawn of Justice, they introduce Aquaman and the Flash. Yes, exactly. It's all small cameos. But yeah, through an email. Yes. It, but it was it was a letdown. This one was a letdown for me. I'd built it up Same. and it was a letdown. Yeah. However, our sixth place finisher is where we have, I believe, our largest discrepancy of this entire list. Really? We have Friday the thirteenth, the final chapter. Yeah. <gasps> I don't like this one. This is one Kent, of the most rated ones. You ranked this. You were number one. This is top of the tops for Friday the 13th. Oh, Joel tanked it at ranking it 10th. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm going to sell this one to Corey everyone. Feldman? Corey Feldman. Crispin Glover? Yeah. No, this one is the same format as one, two, and three. But what it does is it brings like a new dynamic, right? It actually has characters. Forgettable one dimensional characters. But no, Tommy Jarvis himself, you're like, this is weird. The, the child prodigy who can make Halloween, Halloween masks. masks. <laughs> this is enough backstory for a character and that the kills were better everything was more refined this felt like friday 13th refined yeah truly and i know there's no refinement to this franchise but it felt like they kind of perfected so that can't give this one art. a b huh not, not a b can't on the curve a b. this got the highest this got seventh on the list 
Yes. I okay. did not like this one. This is a forgettable, forgettable movie of... Uh, it's, it's one of the top sorry, ones. Sixth overall on, okay. the, on the bacon list. Okay. The plot, quote unquote, is just filler in between each gruesome kill. And this one was Welcome pretty Welcome to the gruesome. franchise. No, this is even more than the others. No, but like the gruesome killings, I know that doesn't appeal to you, but that was what the series was made for, right? No. So, but it not, does that well. It's not good. It's a terrible Well, one. none of them are good. <laughs> you gave it a B. I didn't give it a B. <laughs> for our fifth place finisher, we are now in the top five. Top, oh, yeah. Top five yes. at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> our fifth place finisher. I feel bad. I know there's people out there who like these movies. And I'm, and no, I'm and that's okay. Not, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I, just, I feel bad. I keep making Horror fun of is them. not for and everyone, and especially niche horror like this. And I'll tell you what. We, we apologize to both of them. <laughs> there are dozens. dozens of us. There are dozens. <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Now this one was interesting because another another discrepancy. Uh, hard disagree. Discrepancy. Yeah. It's it's not great, but this <laughs> is this is one of the ones where it's like, okay, we're gonna try the same formula again, and it's literally the same formula, except for it's Jason's first arrival, and you have the burlap sack. It's the burlap sack. The kills are better than the original. I gave this one my number two. Can't ranked it number two. Joel ranked it number eight. Ooh. Yeah. It's just one. Once again, it's the same exact story as the first one, but this time Jason's killer instead of Pamela. It's predictable. It's absolutely predictable. It's I'm not looking scary. to see what you ranked in the top four, and now I'm a little bit worried. <laughs> That's so funny to me. Okay. Yes. What's well, our number four? For our top four, there's another discrepancy, but this one swinging, you know, more toward Joel. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth, the reboot from 2009. Yeah. So this I one, rank this a little bit lower. Uh, can't rank this number seven. Joel yeah. ranked this number two. This is, I was so conflicted because you guys know how I feel about reboots and sequels. And I think the only reason this movie is enjoyable is because it's already building on the foundation the franchise established. I, and also, I feel like he felt scarier. In this movie? In, yeah, in as the a slasher. Like yeah. he felt threatening, like he's more agile. But I didn't love like the setup of this one. There's the, uh, a weed farm Yeah, that this takes place on. And you're like, oh, okay. All right, can't take the moral high ground. Fine, that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, as I like, defend, I love the gore, but I I'll the tell you, drug exactly. use. <laughs> uh, this, Pick your lane. This one had a couple good frights, though, and maybe it's just because they they didn't focus on the gore as much in okay. this one. But I I felt the fear more in this one than the other one. So, like I said, I, I was just I, I was disappointed. Completed. This could have been the beginning of something great, but I, it yeah, wasn't. but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't succeed. I mean, it made $92 million sure. on yeah, a budget right. of seven, uh, $19 million, so mm-hmm. it did okay. Right. For the bronze medal finisher. Third place. Third place. Uh, you actually agreed in your rankings on this one. Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood. So this is Carrie versus Jason. <laughs> uh, guilty pleasure. Yeah. This one's you so both put fun. it fourth on your list. Yeah. And that's a loose fourth. Like, I'm still in the not liking territory at this point. <laughs> so they really did. The pitch this one is, okay, remember Carrie, the telekinetic yeah. girl? Let's have Carrie versus Jason, a mashup. And they're like, no, we can't get the rights to Carrie. Okay, we'll get Tina. Was that her yeah, name? Yeah, Tina. And so it's, it's just I, I love the logic. So when she's a kid, like her, her parents are fighting and she has telekinetic power. She drowns her dad off the docks of Crystal Lake. So she comes back 10 years later and she tries to bring him back to life. And Jason comes out of the lake because yeah, he's been. Remember, he got thrown down the lake with a rock. Yeah, she mm. raises him up. And at the same time, when she, she needs to raise him up, <laughs> when she needs to kill Jason, she has her dad actually come up. He hasn't aged a day in the yes. water. By the way, no one retrieves bodies from Camp Crystal Lake. No, by the way, no, it's just no all point. Over the by the way, there. have you guys seen? There's like actually a lake. I don't know where yeah. it's at, but they have like a little like a sunken statue yeah. of Jason. Yeah, yeah, well, I've seen like the a body picture. model. It's I didn't so know the reference. Horrifying. So I think oh, Jason. It's scary, right? Yeah. yeah. 
I think Jason looks really cool in this one. Like yeah. in in this the new blood part part seven, the new blood. I think he looks really cool in that one. But the whole concept of the telekinetic girl was just it's laughable. So good. It's laughable. Right. For our silver medal finisher. Number two. Number two. Kent gave this a ranking of five, but Joel gave it a ranking of number one. This is Friday the thirteenth, part six, Jason Lives. So good. Maybe it's just because I was so disappointed in Jason not being in uh, five, a new beginning, a new beginning of five. But then he comes back the way he this comes is back, after they, they hit him with the pole. They get a pole in the grave of the corpse of Jason. <laughs> Lightning strikes it. And this movie alive. is Frank and Jason. This is Frank and Jason. Okay. Yeah. Shortest runtime, by the way. 86. That's minutes. why you liked it the most. <laughs> it well, the, and with him watching it edited, it was like a half an hour. Oh, yeah, totally. But it this one to me felt like, okay, we are now going to, we know we're ridiculous. We're going to be campy. We're going to be silly. Oh, so at, at one point there is like a uh, paintball squad. It's like, like a corporate team doing yeah, a bunch team of building. Yuppies in the and 80s. Jason goes after them for some reason yeah and like he throws a guy against a tree and there's like a bloody smile and and it's kind of like one of these yeah. moments where you're like so this movie's trying to be a comedy zach there's actually in the intro he does a jason does a james bond walk on he does he well, does now i have to watch that <laughs> no and, and so joel you're right like this mo- this is the one where it's like so it's meant to be this way right like we yeah. get it we're in on the joke yes it's still horrible hmm. yeah but this is when, yeah, this is when Jason comes back and kind of saved saved the franchise for me. Like I was about to write off this franchise completely, and then I actually liked this one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the the, the James Bond walk on isn't as corny as the uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three D opening theme. Right. It's horrible. If you have not just watched the opening credits for Friday the Thirteenth Part Three and enjoy the disco music that is trying to scare you, <laughs> scary, spooky disco. <laughs> they tried to scare me with it before we recorded, and it worked. And the winner. By weird tiebreaker, I, I got to say, your rankings kind of equaled out on this on the on the top two. Your scores were the same on the top two. Uh, so the tiebreaker here is agreement. You both put this at number three on your list. So it goes to number one in our bacon hearts. <laughs> How, does, How does that work? Bacon science. Friday the 13th. The, the original. The original. The 1980 film, and, which... Has the lowest budget at five hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the highest IMDb rating right. at six point four. In a way, look at it like it's not good, them. but it kicked off the franchise. But it, it was a murder mystery movie. Jason's not even in it, but that's kind of the beauty well, of it. He's in it, but not. That's not the really. twist. That's the fun of it all. It is the best twist in the franchise. Right? You think it's this horrible monster killer? No, it's the mom of the kid who. And it, it's drowned. funny too because half the deaths are off-screen deaths too, like because they didn't have the budget here. <laughs> As I was watching this, I told my wife, I said, honey, if I ever become a undead serial killer. <laughs> okay, go on. If I ever become an undead serial killer, I got to talk to Jason because I got to learn how he times the bodies to fall in front of the person at the perfect time every time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. She's like running in a field and a body falls out of a tree and then she runs backwards and a body falls out of a window. And yeah. I'm like, how? How did he Spring set all traps. this up? Yep. Yeah, it makes me want to watch Leslie Vernon again. That's always fun. <laughs> yeah, to see does that. <laughs> All right. So the original is... But this was disappointing to me when I watched it. I'm surprised sure. it's number one. Right. Because it doesn't quite have like the quality value of uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street, for example. No. Halloween. No, 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 no. no. Halloween and Nightmare on right, Elm Street. Really? Ha- Halloween, the original Halloween, the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Really horror good horror masterpieces. This is not that. I remember watching this one and being disappointed. I gave it like a 2.5. Sure. Out of 5. Right. Um so it turned into a five out of ten. Yeah, and and really, it just ended up number one because you guys didn't agree on the later sequels. You you, you stuck your flags in uh, ones and hated others. Yeah, it just yeah. happened to overlap. 
But there you go. There's our there's our ranking of all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and that you've already you know the story now. You can have intelligent conversations with high society about <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth movies now because you know the story. You're welcome. If you're a fan, let us know, and that's just fine. We won't mock you, even if I may disagree with most of what you're saying. But let us know on Facebook, let us know on Instagram, let us know on Twitter what you think of Friday the 13th as a franchise and as Jason Voorhees. Because you can't separate the two. I could still be scared of Jason Voorhees while not liking the movies. All right. And because you guys like to make us suffer, uh, if you'd like us to cover more horror franchises next Halloween In or like the Halloween true after, kind, right, kind of format. Right. We would be willing to do it again. So Or other franchises. <laughs> so pick the franchise. What other franchise could we do Let that us with? know. Tony Stark, billionaire. Air Buddies. True crime with air buddies? <laughs> air buddies. <laughs> Maybe. Scott Calvin was just selling <laughs> toys. <laughs> but yeah, let us know. We would love to cover some more horror franchises, or we'd like to, or we'd watch them for yeah. you. Not this season. Maybe next season. Yes. But before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons. Beginning with I'm the Listeners, we have Adam and Rachel Crump, Alicia Bass, Andrew Dancing Through the Fire, Angela Plotz, Braden Winterton, Casey Cummings, Dave Kelly, Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or help me stop it. Scott, oh, so Scott Sprague. Uh, Debbie Foster, Jennifer Kilkowski, Juice the Cooler King Swallow, Lady Terry Finley, Rocky and Steph, Ryan and Marley, and Sir and Madam Hicks. And from our banking council, we have Allison Gall, Glow Clan Daniel, Her Royal Highness Jessica Terry, Johnny English the Brick, Shannon West, Nicole Sinton in the Sinbin Hale, our favorite couple of the Matsons, Spencer Myers, Star Wars expert Kyler, Stephen Everyone's favorite Ross, the one, the only Chris Anderson, and Beaker. Thank you, patrons. You, Thank are, you. you are the machete to our Jason. Oh, machete to my face. <laughs> but if you want to find me, you can find me at 76 Joel on Twitter. You can find me performing with Quick Wits. They perform at the Midville Performing Arts Center. For more details, go to qwcomedy.com or go to the Quick Wits Facebook page. If you want to find me at Twitter or Instagram, it's at Kenny3DD. If you want to read my movie reviews, it's showtimeshowdown.com. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at Tumbling Mustard. But more importantly, make sure you're following Bacon Sale. Please like that Facebook page and visit at Bacon Sale on Twitter and Instagram. While you're doing that, stop by tpublic.com slash bacon sale where you can get yourself some merch. Again, Feel free to take a picture, post it on social media, and you will get our praise. tpublic.com slash bacon sale. And then if you like what's going on here and you want to support us further, visit patreon.com slash bacon sale, where you can get access to, of course, the famous almost weekly bacon bits, mm-hmm. behind the scenes notes, pictures, videos, all sorts of fun content. Patreon.com slash bacon sale. So until next time, we've been Perfect. That's it. Done. Wrap it. <laughs> kill women? I'm in. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You're walking in through the woods. There's no one around. Me. Are you trying to hypnotize me? There you see him. Oh, Shia LaBeouf. Actual cannibal? Shia LaBeouf? Judy? <laughs> Not Judy. Julie. Julie. Elsewhere. Nope. They were elsewhere. Nope. Elsewhere. No you explained, Zach, they were Kumbaya. elsewhere. <laughs> but you yada yada murder. Hey, we yada yada murder all the time here on Bacon Sale. We've got to keep yes, the family yes. friendly. Just, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. You need is the light so, murder. Yeah. Don't no. get specific. Just say they found her dead. I shouldn't eat it. It's too, it's too cold. cold. Stop, no, stop, stop it. Feed my Frankenstein on the wind chime. <laughs> and as we know, <laughs> being elsewhere will get you killed. Can't have that weakness for a while. Hey, oh, when, when he was a teen. Nope. When he was a teen. <laughs> nope. Oh. 
It's the, the record number on Bacon's so, Impalements. We just gave you, listener, the entire recap of all... Like, yeah. it, that's almost more recognizable than hockey itself. <laughs> yes. I'm blinded by a fake <laughs> blood pump. Kill her, mommy. You learn how to make fake blood, and all of a sudden you're like, you know, Picasso of horror. I'm going to go with Curve. We're going to give these... Jason. Jason's... Jason, <laughs> Jason and the what? algorithm? Jason's the friends who made along the way. It, no one retrieves bodies from Cap Crystal Lake, no, by the way. No, just no point. Over. I love the gore, but I I'll tell you, drug exactly. use. Ew, sweaters.